0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, if you would, now you're at Proverbs chapter 1, if you'd stand with me. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to start in verse number 1 and read down to verse number 7, Proverbs chapter 1. The Bible says, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I personally thank you for the honor and privilege to stand here behind this pulpit and preach and teach your word, Lord. I don't take it for granted. Lord, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Lord, I pray that the things that are said will be helpful and beneficial, edifying. Lord, please help me as I preach. Help me not to do it of my own wisdom or lack thereof, but through you. Lord, I pray to be with our pastor and his family as they're away. Keep a hedge of protection around them and bless their lives. We love you and thank you for everything you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, pastor is out of town, and they're going to be gone for the next couple weeks. So got me this morning, Brother Myers tonight, uh, and then Diana's father is going to be here next week. So I would just uh, implore you and encourage you to be in your place. Uh, continue to be faithful here over the next couple weeks. It shows a lot when we all show up, even when the pastor's gone. So let's make sure we're in our place, which you are. So yay, congratulations, we did it. Um, this morning, a uh, pastor asked me to preach a few weeks ago, so I knew I was going to be here for a while, and uh, as is always the case, I'm always excited. Uh, I, love, I love to stand up here. I love to preach and teach. I'm, I was telling Josh as we were in the choir this morning, I always get nervous like the 10 minutes or so before, my hands are just ice cold. I'm not a cold person. I'm always warm. Like, I'm always hot. But every time before I preach, I just, I'm freezing. Like, I touch my wife and my hands are colder than hers, which never happens so it's like all the blood is just rushing away from my extremities into my stomach probably because that's where all the nervousness is. Um, but I just want to take, this is not planned at all, but being here, doing, doing the prayer, and I could do this because I'm just a guy, I'm not the pastor. pastor would never say this, but I do in the prayer, singing in the choir, which that's, I'm not saying this like, look at me, look at all the things I do, but think of pastor. He preaches, he sings specials, he leads song leading, he does all these things, and then he gets up and preaches. I think I sometimes sit out there and take for granted all the things he does in this half hour leading up to the most important part. Would pay attention to those things, I guess. I'm saying this to myself, and since I have a microphone, I guess I get to say it to everybody, but pay attention to the things that he does. It's a lot. I didn't even lead singing. Curtis did that. I just had to sing a choir special. Not very well, but I was up there, and I'm like, man, I'm tired. I'm, my throat's already dry, and I have, to come, I have to come preach. But he does all those things and then preaches in a manner he does so we should be grateful for who we have i know we are but pray for him pray for all the things that he does and for just energy to do all that all right side note over okay so proverbs chapter one as i was reading through this and as we all hopefully do have our daily bible reading that we do on a consistent basis i've come across this chapter and verse seven is a very famous and popular verse you probably even have it memorized and highlighted in your bible But the one phrase really stuck out to me as I was reading and kind of preparing for this message is that's in verse number five. It says, increase learning. Increase learning. So we're going to talk about increasing learning. If you have a title, I don't think it's really good grammar to just take those words by themselves, but the title would be increase learning. Um, I've not learned enough. When it comes to God's word, when it comes to spiritual matters, I have not come anywhere close to learning learning Everything that God has. And obviously, I don't think I ever will get to that point. But we have Solomon here, right? The wisest person to ever live on this earth. People came from, when he was alive, came from all over the world just to see him, just to hear him say things because of the wisdom that he has. And if you've been in church for a amount of time, you know the story that God gave him a choice to ask for anything that he wanted. Anything God would grant and he asked for wisdom. And because he asked for the principal thing, God gave him a lot of other things as well. But we have Solomon, the king of Israel. Wisest person to ever walk this earth, aside from Jesus himself. The wisest person alive. I mean, think of the person in your life that you know that's just, they're the smartest person you know. It could be book smarts, it could just be experience. They just have wisdom. If you have a question, you're going to go ask them. If you have an issue that needs answering, they're the ones you go to. That person, think of how wise and how, how much you admire them and respect them. Solomon was heads far above anyone here that's alive today. And Solomon's reign in Israel this time was pretty peaceful. He had a pretty peaceful reign. His father, David, not so much. David had a reign full of troubles um, in the kingdom, in his personal life as well, where Solomon had a mostly peaceful reign for, for the whole nation of Israel during that time and as i set up our, our message here today just to kind of lay some groundwork when peaceful times are upon us as in the nation of israel here and i would say for us as christians in america it's a fairly peaceful time not to say that our our beliefs and god's word isn't being attacked that the the holy spirit and that jesus himself isn't being you know persecuted and ridiculed even across the world but in america We can come here. We have no fear of retribution of being in this building, having Bibles in our lap, and preaching. You can even go down the streets in this city and talk to people about it without the fear of being thrown in jail. Like We we live fairly a peaceable time for us and our Christian belief today in America. During peaceful times, during times of rest, are times that much learning should be being had teaching should be had, so that when troubled times do come, and if you look at our nation, and the direction we're going, if the Lord tarries, and it may take decades, it may take more than that, but troubled times are bound to come to a nation that behaves as we've behaved over the last 50-some years. It's going to come. So while we're at peace as Christians, we should be taking the time to learn, to learn as much as we can, to know God. I as the campers came up here a couple weeks ago on Sunday night, and they said, numerous of them said, I want to, to know God. First of all, guys, I hope you're sticking to what you, what was there from two weeks ago. Don't forget it. Know God. We read our Bible, and I'm kind of stealing my thunder a little bit, but well, we read our Bible, but how much, how much do we get to learn? To know God. Because when troubling times come, the things that we learn now, and teachers, parents, adults, leaders, the things that we teach will, might need to be used, might need to be relied upon in the future. So if we aren't putting in the effort to learn, to increase learning, when troubling times do come, we don't want to be short. We want to come up short. We don't want to come up empty-handed. We want the things that we learned to be ready, to be usable. So Solomon, via the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, gives us some great advice on knowledge and learning here in the first seven verses of Proverbs chapter 1. So what's the purpose? I'm gonna, I've got a few points here on the purpose of what we should do as Christians, the purpose of the Word of God in general, the purpose of the book of Proverbs here specifically. The first thing, as we see in verse number 2, is to know wisdom and instruction. Now, if you're going to know something, you, you have to know it. You can't just guess, right? I've been doing some math with one of my children, um, that are struggling sometimes. They, they're getting it, but they're struggling. And when it comes to math, as all of you know that have been through any amount of math, and for those of you that are coming up on, like, say, algebra, you have, there's things you just have to know, right? When it comes to, like, simple things, like your uh, multiplication table. You have to know your multiplication table, right? If you're going to do algebra. There are things you just have to know. You can't guess at math, can you? So when you have that long division problem, Right? when you're dividing 242 into 6,377, if you guess at some of that math, it's all going to come out wrong, isn't it? One little mistake will end up with the answer being leagues away from where it should be. You can't guess. You have to know those basics. You have to know them. You have to understand them and know them almost from memory. So the Word of God, Christians... You need to know wisdom. Not just guess at it. Not just have a good idea about it. Not just hear about it on Sunday. Not just hear it preached in in church and in Sunday school. But you individually, specifically sitting in your pew, we have to know God's Word. We have to know it. We have to know that wisdom and instruction. We have to be able to form the correct notion of things. It's a weird sentence. But you have to be able to form the correct notion. As a Christian, you have to know God's Word. You have to know that wisdom. And then you have to speak and act wisely based on that knowledge. And guess, And here's the other part. As a Christian, every single one of us falls under this umbrella of being able to teach it to others. I don't care if you have a science school class or not. I don't care if you have kids or not. Every individual Christian has a responsibility to go, therefore, and teach. So we have to know our stuff. You have to know what God's Word says. Not just a cursory knowledge, not just an overview, not just cliff notes of the Bible. But you have to know for yourself, know God's Word. Because you have a responsibility as a Christian to teach. That applies to all of us. Not just those that stand in a Sunday school class in front of kids or adults. But every single person has the ability and has a responsibility to know and to teach. So the first purpose is to know wisdom and instruction. The second purpose, to perceive the words of understanding. So if you're going to know things, if you're going to get into God's word and you're going to get to know them, you're going to have to learn to perceive the words of understanding, which means be able to distinguish between truth and falsehood. Because although we do live in a fairly peaceful time for Christians, there's a lot of falsehood out there. Just look on Facebook. There's a lot of, not personal posts, none of that, but like, there are a lot of articles posted with crazy, wow things that you just you could fall into and believe every word of it. There are a lot of clickbait ads, clickbait articles that will tell you all these extravagant, crazy, amazing things that if you don't do this, this is going to happen. You better be careful. Paste this into your Facebook post or else there are a lot of things out there that are, and this is a very simple thing, but when it comes to the Bible, Being able to distinguish between truth and falsehood is imperative. We need to order the way we live, our conversation, in a way that's pleasing to God. And the only way that we can do that is if we are able to perceive what his Bible says. If we're to understand. A big part of learning that and perceiving God's word and perceiving understanding is being here. In church. Congratulations, we're here, you're doing it. We're perceiving, we're being taught not because the preacher has the knowledge, but because the Bible has the knowledge. And being here and hearing preaching is important as a Christian. You have to hear preaching. You have to rightly divide that word of truth. That's what perceiving the words of understanding means. That's a purpose for God's word. And, and for us, this passage, passage specifically, we, we should show understanding of, our, of his word by the way we live. The way our life is conducted should show that we understand what God says. If if we live in a way contrary to what the Bible says, it shows we miss something. We're not perceiving it quite right. We're missing the understanding isn't fully there. So we're to know wisdom and instruction, or to perceive the words of understanding. Uh, Third verse, we're to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. We are supposed to see people the way God sees them. We live in a world where everyone else is a jerk except for us, right? Everyone else around us does all the things wrong, Where we're always the right ones, whether it's driving down the interstate, whether it's ordering food for the drive through whether it's whatever it may be, at work or at home, it's usually always the people around us that are ones that are dropping the ball, that are making the mistakes, that are cutting us off. We're always the one in the right. We're always the one doing the things the way they should be done. And if everyone was just like us... Well, I would, be, I would be happy, at least. If everyone was like me, I would be happy, and I'm sure everyone else would be, too, because if I'm happy, you're happy. We're all happy. The, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the problem is we all have different views on how things should be done. We all have different idiosyncrasies, different personalities. I'll tell jokes, no one will laugh. I think they're hilarious. That happens a lot. Huh. But we are supposed to see things and see people the way that God sees them. If we take the wise man to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, is to look at people the way that God looks at them. To, To go through our life and realize that God is the ultimate, not you, not me. It's not what I think about how things should be done that matter. It's not my justice. It's not how I judge things. It's not what I think is equal and fair. It's what God says is equal and fair. It's what God says about how we should treat others. And that's why when God says, Go ye therefore... And we're supposed to go and tell people it's because God wants every single one to know Him. To increase in that learning. We're supposed to receive that instruction in all those categories so we can see the world as God sees them. And that's hard to do because it could be tough. It could be tough to live in a world where people don't care. People don't care even about you or what you believe in and we're still supposed to give them the grace and the mercy that God gave us when we got saved. Fourthly, What is this for? Solomon tells us, he gives us a couple groups of people that this instruction, God's Word, uh, Proverbs specifically, is for. Verse number 4 says, "...to give subtlety to the simple." So the simple-minded is one that just is without understanding. They don't know one way or another. And regarding God's Word, they, they aren't familiar with God. They aren't familiar with His Word. But the Bible is so simple. It's the milk, right? We talk about the milk of the Word, It's the stuff that's easy to digest. When you have a newborn, that's all they eat, right? They just eat milk for a long time until their bellies and their bodies get strong and they need more than just milk. But the Bible is for everybody. If you want to put it this way, it's on the bottom shelf. It is something that everybody has access to, everybody can understand. A lot of people say, well, I just don't get all the these and thous. They do. That's just a really bad excuse, Right? because it's still English. It's not in a different language. The Bible is simple enough for everyone to understand because God wants everybody to come. And if it's hard to understand God's gospel, if it's hard to understand his word, the barrier to entry is difficult. But it's not. It's the opposite of that. It is simple. It gives subtlety to the simple. It's so basic that it's understandable to anyone that's looking for knowledge. Anyone that's looking for truth, it is so easy to find. The facts of a Savior that was born, lived a sinless life, died and rose again for the payment of our sin, nothing about that is not understandable. Everything in that gospel is so simple that even the simple have access to the wisdom and the learning that is here. It's also for the youth. As you continue on in verse number four, it is uh, to the young man knowledge and discretion. So, Young people, that's the time that most of the learning is typically done in our life, right? Not to say that you can't teach old dogs new tricks, because it is possible, but most learning is done when we're young, you know, through our high school age years. I have a three-year-old daughter. Most of you know Gemma. She runs around here like a crazy person after every uh, service. I apologize if she, like, almost knocked you over. She's little, and we're working on that. But uh, she is a sponge. She's three. She's talking pretty well right now, but she still has that baby voice, right, which is super cute when they say things. But when they say things that you, that like three-year-olds don't say, like ten-year-olds would say in that baby voice, and you're like, where did you hear that from? So, just yesterday, Madison, my nine-year-old, soon to be ten-year-old daughter, has her room, and she has a dollhouse in there. She has some American girl dolls in there. She's, Madison is very, mm, She's very particular about everything being where it's supposed to be all the time. Don't move it or I'll kill you. Okay? She's very, very particular about her room. Well, yesterday, we were all upstairs. Her door was left open, which very rarely happens. Madison's was. And Gemma made it downstairs. And even, I even asked Lisa, I'm like, where's Gemma? We're upstairs. I don't know. And then you could kind of hear in the background, okay, I hear her. She's all right. She's not screaming, so things probably are fine. There was noise, so it wasn't completely quiet, because then, you know, everything is not fine if it's completely quiet. But we heard her, so we just kept going on. And then a little while later, it's like, all right, let's go downstairs. We go downstairs, and our our stairs go down, and Madison's room is just kind of right there. Madison gets about three-fourths of the way down the stairs and goes, No! Because her door was open, and there is Gemma in the middle of her floor with a tornado of things everywhere. Just all her dollhouses, all her Barbies, everything on the floor. And Gemma's just having a good old time. Just playing with her little dollies, making them talk to each other. And Madison has lost it. So immediately into the room, Gemma! And she just gets very angry. And she starts yelling at Gemma, get out of my. And, you know, she just, in the flesh, we'll say, she acts out as a nine year old Um, and just chews out her sister. And so she kicks her sister out of her room, and I'm upstairs coming. I'm like, Madison, stop being mean to Gemma. Because I think she even like, grabbed her and kind of shoved her a little bit. I was like, Madison, stop being mean to Gemma. That is not okay. I know you don't like it, but it's not a way to react. So I'm disciplining her. Gemma's coming up the stairs. Gemma gets up the stairs. She goes, Daddy, Maddie, mean to me. I was like, oh, no. No, it's Daddy, Gem- Maddie, mean to me. And she just repeated what I had just said and how mean her sister was to her. And so we had to talk to Gemma about, well, you can't go in and touch other people's things. Madison is not mean to you. She loves you. But she just heard me say, quit being mean to Gemma. And then, oh, yeah, Maddie is mean to me. And repeated it to me. So young people, they they absorb everything. They absorb all the things that you say as parents. They absorb the things that are on the TV. They absorb the things that are on your radio. If you're in the car and you're like, oh, they're too young, they won't hear. They hear. They absorb. They, they learn those things very easily. The Bible says this, this understanding should be, this, this knowledge and discretion is for the young people because young people, as demonstrated by my Madison, can be rash and can be heady and can be very selfish. That age group needs guidelines. They need rules. They need a way to live set forth by God's word. It is for the simple that seek knowledge. The knowledge and discretion, the ability to be able to know how to handle yourself, is is necessary for the youth, is necessary for our children, is necessary for the next generation to be guided by how God wants them to live. That's why God's word is so important, so vital. Those young people, young people that are in here, if you adhere to God's word, if at this age, right, you're not 20, you're 20, under 20 years old, you're in your teens or younger, you're, you're in here so you're old enough to be able to read, right? Those of you that adhere to God's instruction, adhere to his knowledge and, and try to find his knowledge, you will gain the wisdom that God has for you. Don't wait till you're 35 to be like, oh, I should probably look for God's wisdom. Do it when you're 15. Seek out his wisdom. Seek out his knowledge. God has it for you. And if you do it and you devote yourself to it and you make it real, as was said by the campers again, if you get to know him like a real person, it'll, it'll, you'll grow in wisdom. You'll be wise beyond your years because you'll have God's wisdom, not just learning from everywhere. Continuing on, the next thing, and this is where we're going to kind of spend, this is the big chunk that I want to spend time on here, is verse number 5. So we talked about the young people, the simple. Now we're going to talk about the wise. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain, count, uh, shall attain unto wise counsel. So this is the meat, right? We have the milk of the word for youths, for, for the simple, for the wise Christian, for the seasoned Christians. Those that have been saved for a while, you've not attained. We have not attained. I have not attained. Don't think you've arrived. Don't think your Christian life that you've got it figured out, and I'm a mature Christian. I don't have to deal with the little sins anymore because I'm a mature Christian. I got it figured out. I'm good. I've got a pattern. I've got a thing. Things I do. I'm good. I've I've attained. I've arrived. Because you've never arrived. We've never gotten to the point where we arrived. As it says the first part, a wise man, someone that already has wisdom, will hear and will increase learning. We've you've never gotten to a point where you know it all you've never gotten to a point where you learned it all where you've heard it all so i did a little math speaking of math yesterday as i was kind of going through this i got saved january 31st 1989 okay don't raise your hand if you weren't born born then yet i don't want to know so i was nine years old okay i just turned 39 this year i've been saved over 30 years my whole life basically i got saved at nine years old i've been saved for 30 years so I did the math. Just in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, it's 5,840 different messages that I've had the opportunity at least to hear in those 30 years. Almost 6,000 times just in normal church and Sunday school. I've heard God's Word preached or taught. I, I've not learned everything, even though I've heard 5,000 of those. I went to Bible college for four years. We had chapel every day for four years. Now I assumed there were some we had off, so I said four times a week. For four years, nine months at a time, four chapel messages per week. Per week. That's 576 more just chapel messages at Bible college. So now I'm up to like 6,500 messages. Then you can add in youth conferences that I went to, Bible camps that I went to, other preaching events, evangelists, missionary, right, emphasis weeks, all those. And I didn't even add those in because I didn't know how. But easily I'm approaching 10,000 messages or lessons that I've heard preached and taught. So you say, well, wow, with all that, how much, you've, that's every that has to be everything. There's no way, you, There's that has to be, you've expounded the vast, there's nothing left. I could tell you, the, the, I'm, I'm ignorant of many things. One of them is not how ignorant I am. There are many things that I don't know. There are many things that I can learn every day. And I want to take this word for me, this verse for me, to always be increasing and in learning. Always try to know more, to learn more of God's word, to be constantly learning. Why? Why should that be our goal? It's, it, it takes effort. If you're going to be constantly learning, it's going to take effort on your part. It's going to take work from you. You can't just coast and increase learning. It's impossible. Um, I'm going to use this here a second. Anybody can remember Is Organic chemistry. See this book? Anybody ever taken organic chemistry? College level? Deanna? Okay. Yeah. This is hard. Really hard stuff. So I took organic chemistry when I went to SDSU for a couple years we're going to read that here in a minute. This day, yeah, I know. You're excited now. We're going to read this book. Woo! So there are, there are reasons we need to be increasing in learning. And it tells us here in verse number five, a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. If you're going to be a, a Christian that's always growing, that's always learning, that's always increasing in wisdom and knowledge, one of the reasons is, is you're going to have, you need to be a godly counselor. I mentioned before, there are people in your life that need, that need wisdom. They need guidance. It could be young people, it could be family members, it could be friends, it could be random strangers. But we are supposed to be always ready to give an answer. Always ready to give an answer for what we believe. God requires that of us. And I think, I'll speak for myself, a lot of times I, I kind of let that go. I get lazy at that. I get very lazy at being ready to always give an answer. They told us in Bible college, always be ready to preach, pray, and die. Be ready to preach. If you're asked to preach, you should be ready to go. You should be like, um, as a Bible college student, and I would say as a Christian, you should be like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. How, what could I preach on? What would you read this morning? You should be able to preach on it. You should be able to give some, maybe not a half hour, maybe not 45 minutes, but you should be able to give five minutes of wisdom from something you read today. Always ready to preach. Always ready to give an answer. We should always be ready. Always increasing and in learning. If we're able to teach what we've learned, offer godly advice, encourage each other, instructing the next generation, adults, that's that's one of our responsibilities, is to pass on what we've got to the next generation so it doesn't die out. So what happens to Israel doesn't happen to us. That it goes away. That they start getting distracted. That they start serving other gods. Forgetting the real God. It's our responsibility to teach that. The only way we can teach that is if we know. If we're increased in learning. Continuing on, verse number six, we should be ready to be an interpreter. And I'm not saying you're going to all of a sudden understand other languages and be able to interpret it, but uh, verse six says, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The more you read God's word, the more you're in his word, the more you're seeking that knowledge, the more you're looking for his wisdom, things will make sense to you more. Like God's word, the Holy Spirit, who wrote the Bible through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of you if you're saved, he will reveal things in God's Word to you. But if you're not reading it to increase learning, if you're not in it constantly to grow, you're not going to get that learning. You're not going to be able to teach. You're not going to understand. How many times have you come across passions and you just went, I have no idea what that means. I am lost, completely confused. That happens to me a lot. But you know what you do? Then you read some more. And you go back and you read some more. and You find references that go somewhere else in the Bible. The more you read, the more you'll understand. The more things will come to you. The more wisdom you'll glean from his word. So, let's get to organic chemistry. I marked a page. So, there are a lot of things that do make sense in here. There's some very basic things, but I'm going to read one sentence. Okay? and Just tell me if you know what's, what's happening. I won't even show you all the equations that are in here. So, the carbon chain of an aldose can be increased by one carbon by means of the Killian-Fisher synthesis. Okay, you with me? In other words, tetroses can be converted into pentoses and pentoses can be converted into hexoses. You got it? Okay, you ready for the test? You know what that means? Yes, but this is what we'll do. Okay, this is what we'll do with our Bible. For so-and-so begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so, who begat so-and-so. Who so begat so-and-so, and can be yet so-and-so converted into pentoses, and pentoses can be converted into the hexoses. Done with my Bible reading today. I didn't learn anything. And we'll read our Bible, and we'll go through it, and we'll, we'll read it like we read an organic chemistry book that we don't understand. And we won't start at the beginning. Like if I started here and I had a teacher who taught me and led, which I did a long time ago. Remember, I got saved in 89, so you do the math if you want. But it was a while ago that I went to this class. And while there are a few things that I recognize looking at it, I haven't read this book probably since that semester I went to that class. So if I don't read it, if I don't keep up on it, if I don't continue to increase my knowledge, I forget. And it makes no sense to me. We'll we'll put all this emphasis in this world, we'll put emphasis on this type of learning. We have colleges, millions and millions of dollars put into universities and sports teams at universities and going to school and getting scholarship and getting into debt. And going and paying to get increased learning in the secular world, which there's nothing wrong with. Nothing wrong with increasing learning. But we'll put so much money. You know how much this textbook cost? These are like hundreds of dollars for this. That's why I kept it. <laughs> not because I would use it, because it cost me hundreds of dollars. I'm not going to get rid of this thing. It's in my parents' basement. I had to go get it yesterday. And my wife's like, why is this stuff in your parents' basement? And I was because like, I don't want it in my basement. It's a big book. <laughs> These things cost hundreds of dollars. We invest money and we invest time. You can't just go to class and pass this test. Pass this class. You can't just go to the classes and pass. You can't just come to church and expect increased learning. You have to study it on your own. You have to take this home. There were study groups we had where there were smarter kids than me and they're doing all this stuff and I'm like, I am lost, you lost me. Can we go back to step 1A, please? But we, you have to study, you have to go home, you have to work out the equations yourself, you have to learn it on your own, not just from the teacher and the syllabus. You have to learn it. But Christians, we'll come to church, we'll hear preaching, we'll go to Sunday school, and we're like, I'm good. And we, if we're really good Christians, we'll go home and we'll read our Bible. But we'll read it, and again, I'm talking to myself, we'll read it like we read this. We won't study it we'll read it like we did like i read this if we have no idea what's going on in here we just go through it we breeze through it we either do it to get through the checklist we do it because we need some encouragement today which is good that's what the bible is for but we don't read it in a manner to learn to increase our learning to get to know god to get his wisdom to increase that knowledge we don't we don't read that way and shame on us shame on me for reading God's Word in a haphazard way as if I'm reading organic chemistry and it just goes over my head and who cares? And I get by with it. We should read our Bible to increase our learning. We sometimes struggle just to read God's Word on a daily basis. As an American Christian, we say we take our Bible so much for granted that sometimes we have a hard time getting to it every day. What? If someone was going to school to be a pharmacist, they would not forget to study. If they did, they'd fail the class. And guess what? They don't become what they wanted to become. They don't learn. They don't pass the test. They don't get through it because they give up, because they don't give it the attention. As Christians, if we just can't read our Bible every day, we, we, we struggle to just read three chapters, which if you, I've always heard if you read three chapters a day, you could get through it in about a year. We struggle to do that. We struggle to find the time to do it. But we're supposed to increase learning. We're supposed to be teachers. We're supposed to be interpreters. How are we going to do that if we can't even read it every day? There's no way. We will fail. We will fail the class. Or we'll just skate by. God doesn't want us to skate by. He literally says, a wise man will increase learning. A wise man will increase learning. Study God's Word. Study it. You, in the pew. If you've never taught a class, you're never going to teach a class, you don't have any kids, you have nobody in your general circle right immediately that's going to benefit from your study, do it anyway, because God says to do it. It's not just for pastor. It's not. It's not just for Sunday school teachers. It's not just for evangelists. It's not just for professors at Bible college. It's for every one of us. We should read our Bible like it matters. And I'm only saying this and kind of getting fired up because I don't a lot of times. And I get fired up at myself because I read it like it's this book. Shame, shame, shame on me. I don't give God's word the importance that it it deserves. I don't give... It's only going to help me. If you're going to organic chemistry and you spend more time in this, it's only going to benefit you. Because you're going to learn it. You're going to know it. You're going to know how to deal with issues that come your way. If you want to get into this word, if you want to increase the knowledge, it's going to help you. It's going to help you grow. It's going to help you know how to handle the issues that come your way. And they'll be bigger than organic chemistry problems. They'll be real life problems. You ever get to the point where real life problems come and you're like, ah, I'm at a loss? How have you been in your Bible? How's your Bible reading? Are you studying it or are you just reading it? You just read through it as it's another story? A bedtime story you're just trying to get through so you can go to bed? Our Bible should be read like it matters. We should read it and study it as if each day we wanted something new. Every time you read your Bible, you should want something new from it. You should want something that changes you. We want something that increases your knowledge, increases your understanding of God. But we don't do that. We don't read it that way. Every once in a while. But as a habit, that's not how we do it. It's not how I do it. And it's it's a shame for me. We should read it like if whatever was read could be taught to somebody. My wife does this with our kids when they have devotions. They'll, they'll read through it. And if you have kids and you've done this, you'll read through a passage, and you'll be like, all right, we're going to do our devotions. We read through the passage. Usually it's in school, during Bible time in school. Read through the passage, and the kids are like, oh, good. We read through our Bible, did our Bible time. And then she goes, what did that mean? And they're like, what? Um, It's kind of like I was talking to Ken today for Sunday school with the youth. And Ken gets done teaching. He's like, all right, let's ask some questions. Let's talk about what we read. And everyone's like, what? Um, I don't know what to do. do I? Look away, look away, look away, look down. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. And you won't have to answer a question. We should read our Bible in the way that we could, we could take, we could, you could talk to your spouse, you could talk to your kids, you could tell a stranger on the street, and you could show them something from God's word. You could teach them something. Because the way you read it, the way you studied it, you didn't just gloss over it. You studied it because you wanted something from it. That's how we should read our Bible all the time. Every single time. But again, we don't. And part of the reason of that is, is verse number seven. We don't do this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we're going to study God's word like it matters, like we care about it, We have to understand the beginning of wisdom. And that's the fear of the Lord. And that's not just, oh, I'm scared. It's fear as in reverence. Fear as in worship. Fear as in awe. If we don't have an awe of God, if we don't have a reverence and just a mind-blowing view of who God is, you won't read his word with any kind of oomph. It's a thing to get done. It's not a thing that to increase your knowledge, increase your wisdom, increase your learning. We have to start at the beginning, and then to fear the Lord, to have an awe of Him, realize who He is, who He is to the world, who He is to you personally. Every single one of you in here that is saved today, first of all, you're saved. That's amazing. That's that should bring awe every time you think about what God did for you. If you are the only person to accept Him as your Savior he would have died for you and you alone. He loves you and cares about you so much, he went through more pain and suffering than any of us ever will, bared all the sins of the whole world, past, present, future. The worst sins that none of us would ever commit, he bore those sins, became them, so we didn't have to, so that we could have eternity in heaven with him, with the Father, Because he paid our price for us. Just that alone should bring us to our knees. Just that alone should make God's word so much more potent to us. But if that's not enough, look at your life. Look at all the things that you've gotten through. The tough times you've had in your life that God brought you through. Maybe the tough times in your life that ended in tough answers, but God was still there. God was still right next to you. And the comfort you felt and the peace that you felt. That's unexplainable. Not because you're so great, not because you've got it together, but because God's got it together for you. And think of the future we have when all this world, 100 years from now, pretty much any, everyone in here, we're all gone. a 100 years from now, we're not alive anymore. We're all in heaven forever. 100 years is not that long. Not to scare anyone or make you realize your own mortality. But hundred years is not a long time from now. But we'll be in heaven. All of us will be in heaven together. If you're saved, guess what we're going to be doing in heaven? The Bible says, Lisa showed me this. keep bringing you into this, sorry. Lisa showed me this just last night. She was reading at the end of John, the very last verse of John. It says, if, if, and I'm not going to quote it exactly right, but it says, if everything that Jesus did while he was here on earth were written down, all the books couldn't contain it. Just the things he did here on earth imagine when we get to heaven, all the things that we think we know that we don't know. And how much learning we're going to increase in from God himself. You want to get into the habit of how it's going to be in heaven? Study this here. You study this here, you'll be ready for the studying you're going to do in heaven because it's only going to ramp up. Now, your brain's going to work a lot better in heaven because you're going to have a perfect brain. But we're going to continue to learn in heaven. So if you're bored with your Bible reading, if you're whole hum over what God's word says, get on board because it's, this is how it is when it gets to heaven. You need to get on board with making the Bible a part of your life. Fearing the Lord is where that's going to start. To pursue learning without the basis of fearing God, all that you're doing, you're just squandering all that knowledge. If you're reading the Bible without that awe of who God is, without the beginning of that wisdom, beginning of that knowledge, it's, it's like water off a duck's back. You're not going to retain it. You're not going to increase learning. Our minds must be possessed with a holy reverence for God which means every thought and action in our life needs to be brought into obedience to Him. That's a big task to bring every thought and every action of your life into obedience of Him but that's what the fear of the Lord means. You're going to fail. You're going to sin. You're going to mess up because we're still human. We have our flesh, but that's not an excuse to go that way. It's a reason to try harder. It's a reason to be in the Bible more. It's a reason to bring those thoughts, bring those actions into God obedience of God. If the things you're thinking, the things you're saying, the things you're doing, if you look at them and they don't obey what God's Word says, the fear of the Lord is not in you. It does not exist. You're doing what you want to do, based on your knowledge and your wisdom. We have to start with the fear of the Lord. It has to be start, start that way. It has to be. We talked about it in our couples class when we were talking about rearing children and teaching them. They have to start at a very, very young age with that fear of the Lord. <clears throat> the fear of the Lord has to be part of how they view life. Because if they view life as in it's God's world, and I'm supposed to live the way God wants me to live, the way they approach things is going to be way different than if they don't even know there is a God. That's our responsibility as parents, as leaders, as adults, is to tell and show our kids that. But if we aren't doing that ourselves, I couldn't sit up here and teach you organic chemistry because I don't know it. And if I try to teach my kids to fear the Lord and I don't fear the Lord, so I'm not increasing in knowledge, it's going to be really hard for me to teach that to them because I don't know it. So it's our responsibility as adults to be on top of it, to treat our Bible as if it matters. So as I conclude, if you're unsaved, if you have been talking about all this, reading your Bible and, and fearing the Lord, if you don't know the Lord is your Savior, you can not increase knowledge. You're, you're stuck at this, bo- at this bottom shelf. You're stuck at floor level, ground floor. The only way you can increase knowledge is to understand God's knowledge to understand God's wisdom. And that starts with understanding that we're a sinner. But there's a price for that. The price for that sin is death forever. Not just death in the grave, but death in hell. And the only way to avoid that is to pay for that that sin. And Christ did that. We could never pay for that sin, but Christ did. He lived a perfect life, died, offered himself, died, rose again three days later, and took all the payment all the punishment for all your sin on himself so that we won't have to and all we have to do is accept that gift accept that payment and ask him to save you once that happens you immediately increase learning and you start growing but you have to start with salvation christian a simple challenge to you how do you study your bible not read i you know i'm gonna gonna, i think i'm gonna stop saying did you read your bible to my kids I'm going to stop thinking that about me. I'm going to be, did you study it? Reading it, I don't think, is enough. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved. You're supposed to study. Christian, how is your Bible study? Are you increasing in learning? Are you just reading it for a checklist or reading it because you have to or you feel obligated? We should be prepared. We should be increasing in learning every time God's Word is open. We should learn something new. And grow closer to Christ. So, if you're unsaved, take care of that today. When, this, when the invitation happens, you are more than welcome to come down here, talk to me, talk to somebody. We can show you from God's Word, not from my brain, not from my knowledge, but from God's Word, how you can know today, before you walk out of here, that you're on your way to heaven. And then Christian, if you need to work on your dedication to God's Word, of your importance to God's Word, importance of learning and becoming more knowledgeable in Christ's word. Do something about that today. I'll pray and we'll have the invitation here shortly. Bye. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.